0: church It's good to see you Turn with me if you would to the book of Jeremiah chapter 24 the Lord has put in my heart Message to share with you simply titled Two Baskets. And Justin, you'll need to turn me down just a little bit. Thank you. Jeremiah chapter 24, beginning of reading at verse 1. The Lord showed me, and there were two baskets of figs set before the temple of the Lord after Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away captive Jeconiah and the son of Jehoiakim king of Judah and the princes of Judah with the craftsmen and smiths from Jerusalem and had brought them to Babylon one basket had very good figs Like the figs that are first ripe And the other basket had very bad figs Which could not be eaten They were so bad Then the Lord said to me What do you see, Jeremiah? And I said, figs The good figs, very good And the bad, very bad Which cannot be eaten, they are so bad Again the word of the Lord came to me saying Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel Like these good figs, so will I acknowledge those who are carried away captive from Judah whom I have sent out of this place for their own good into the land of the Chaldeans For I will set my eyes on them for good and I will bring them back to this land I will build them and not pull them down. And I will plant them and not pluck them up. Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For they shall return to me with their whole heart. And as the bad figs, which cannot be eaten, they are so bad, surely. Thus says the Lord. So I will give up Zedekiah, the king of Judah, his princes, the residue of Jerusalem, who remain in this land, and those who dwell in the land of Egypt. I will deliver them to trouble into all the kingdoms of the earth for their harm, to be a reproach and a byword, a taunt and a curse in all the places where I shall drive them. And I will send the sword, the famine, and the pestilence among them till they are consumed from the land that I gave to them and their fathers. Would you be kind of to stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I seek to do one thing this morning, and that is to unburden my heart with what you've burdened it with. Holy Spirit, I, I, I know that you're the real teacher, you're the real guide the real preacher here today I, I just pray that you do what you do so well and that is to guide us into truth Holy Spirit have rain here this morning be totally released to speak to us to those that even may be watching through Facebook Live I just pray that to him and her that have ears to hear, let them hear. Father, I just pray for clarity of thought and liberty in my spirit to share, and I thank you for it. Amen. Something around 20 years ago or so, the Lord gave me a message. It was simply titled, The Time of Provocation. And I remember having the sense when I got done preaching that, even though I didn't have anything more to add, I had the sense that I wasn't finished. Twenty-plus years have passed. And this week, as God has been speaking to my heart, in fact, it wasn't even until last night when it was fully settled in my heart what I was going to share that he told me, That this was a finish of the message that started more than 20 years ago. Provocation, it means to provoke. It could also be seen as to taunt, to challenge, to provoke the message 20 years ago was that we were coming into the beginning of a season when God would begin to provoke his body, that he would seek to separate the hot from the cold, he would seek to raise up the real church, the church that even this earth and nature groans For the revealing of the daughters and sons of God. And that he would provoke circumstances to bring that end about. In Revelation chapter 3, he talks about in the last day church, the lukewarm church. He makes a statement in in that chapter. He says, I would that you were hot or cold. That means I wish or I desire that you be hot or cold. Because you see, a lukewarm church does nothing for God. It's an impediment to everything he wants to do. It's the antithesis of everything he is. God is not lukewarm about anything. He's not lukewarm about you. He is passionate about you. He is unbridled in his love for you and I. And a lukewarm church is never going to be the church that God needs it to be in these last days. And so he told us in the book of Revelation, speaking into the day that you and I live in, that he would bring about events that would provoke his church to make a choice. Be cold or be hot. I remember in preaching that message... That I had a sense there would come a time near the end of this period of time when everything would change seemingly in one day. That we would go through a time of provocation where God begins to delineate between the hot and the cold, begins to sharpen our focus about who He is and what He desires and who we are and what we should desire. But at the near the end of that period of time, we would wake up one morning and everything would be different. Those things that we depended on would not be dependable anymore. Those things we sought, thought were, were settled truth would be questioned. That the church is going to have to prove to themselves and to the world that their God is worthy of being followed in the Bible fig tree is representative of Israel it's also representative of the church in the Old Testament it was representative of Israel and the church in the New Testament the fig tree is representative of the church Figs are representative of people, God's people. The tree is representative of the structure, if you will, of the church, but the figs on the tree are representative of people. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're a fig. In that message 20-plus years ago, it was preached out of Mark chapter 11. And in Mark chapter 11, we have a very unique story that when you begin to dig into the details of the story, you realize that it was not only the telling of a story that happened in that moment, it's the telling of the story of when you and I, where you and I live right now today. In Mark chapter 11, there comes a time when Jesus... And his disciples walk into Jerusalem. He walks into Jerusalem, and the Bible says that he walks into the temple and he stands in the midst of the temple and he looks around at everything that's going on. He doesn't say anything to anybody. He doesn't express anything. He simply looks around at what was taking place in the temple, what was taking place in the church. And he looked and he watched, and without saying a word, he walks back out of the temple. Can you imagine how awkward that was? All of the busyness of the temple and all that was going on and Jesus walks into the midst of them and you can know that everybody in the place knew it was him and he looked and he fastened his eyes on people and he looked around the room and he observed everything that was going on and he turned and he walked back out the door 20 years ago I told the church then that that is where we're at right now He's looking at the church. He's examining our hearts. He's checking to see where we're at. He's checking to see where we're at so that we know where we're at. He walks back out the door of the church, and he and his disciples walk two miles to the city of Bethany. They spend the night. They get up the next morning. He walks two miles back towards the temple. On his way to walk into the temple, he comes on a fig tree. The Bible says that the fig tree is beautiful with leaves. The fig tree, remember, represents Israel. The fig tree represents the church. And the fig tree that he comes on is covered with leaves. It's glorious. It looks healthy. And he reaches into the fig tree looking for figs, people, his people, and he doesn't find any. And the Bible literally says he doesn't find any because it wasn't time for figs to be on the tree. That's very telling. After looking through the tree for figs, not finding any, he withdraws his hand, he steps back, and he says to the fig tree, you are cursed. No man will ever eat figs from you again. He isn't acting in a moment of anger. He's telling a story. He leaves the fig tree and he walks into the temple. He grabs some cords and he braids them into a whip and he begins to crack it and overturn tables almost like a madman he becomes a Jesus they've never seen before and he overturns tables and he frees the doves and he chases off the animals and he cracks a whip and he yells at them my father's house is to be a house of prayer and you have made it a den of thieves then he walks out of the temple and as he and the disciples pass the fig tree one of the disciples mentions master look because the fig tree has died up it's dried up and it's now dead that is the time of provocation That is the time that we have been in for a season now. When God is not pleased, when He looks at what we call the church, He's not pleased with what all's going on. We have become profiteers, we have become worldly. We have become self-serving. We have become judgmental. We have become angry. We have become flippant. We have become shallow. And he's looking for people to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge, and he's finding none. While the world is seemingly overnight, has lost its bearings, the church also has lost its bearings. When those in the world don't understand what's going on, the problem is the church often doesn't understand what's going on. The Bible says that the last day church would be struck with this. They would think that they are rich and increased with goods, a fig tree with lots of, lots of leaves. But not understand that in reality they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I think there ought to be a law that when you're blind, you recognize that. Amen. I don't think blind people should get driver's licenses. One of these days I fully intend to get a white cane with a red tip and pull up to McDonald's tapping along the building as I come to the window just to see what they would do. I would have the glasses on, you know. Jeremiah 24, there's two baskets. There's not three. There's not one. There's two baskets. There's a basket of good figs, and there's a basket of bad figs. There's no basket of kind of good and kind of bad. There's a basket of good figs, and there's a basket of bad figs that are so bad, God doesn't want anybody eating from those figs. This parallels the story in Matthew of the ten virgins. I know that theologians and the church have bent themselves into pretzels. To try to explain what's going on in that parable because they don't like what it says. But the reality is, they are ten virgins, meaning they're pure. All of them are looking for the coming of the Lord. How many know that the world isn't looking for his coming, only the church is? All of them had lamps. All of them, lamps meaning light, all of them had oil. The only thing different between the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins is the five wise virgins had enough oil. The five foolish virgins did not have enough oil. And when things started to get real close, when they, could, they heard the cry go out, the bridegroom is coming, they could see the events that were taking place. They understood that something was happening in the world. They understood that everything is about to change. They suddenly realized they didn't have enough oil. And so they went to those people who had enough oil and said, give us some of yours. And the five that had enough oil said, you know, that's not how it works. We got our oil. You need to get your own oil. And so the five that didn't have enough oil left to go get more oil. But while they were seeking that oil, the bridegroom came. And the five that were wise went with him, and the five that were foolish were left behind. Notice in that story that the five foolish virgins understood they did not have enough oil. And they knew where to go to get it, but they hadn't been getting it. Are you with me? Go ahead and breathe for a moment. Bad figs. Basket of bad figs. God says to the bad figs, figs represent people. Figs represent his people. And some of these figs were bad. He says that you will be delivered into trouble in all kingdoms. That means everywhere you go, There's going to be a problem. You ever been there in life? Has anybody ever been there in life? Is there a more miserable place to be? I've been there. Where everything you do just, it just. There was a time in my life when God was trying to to redirect my life. I felt a call to go into the ministry, and I didn't want to do that. And so, reality, there was a, a division in my heart. There was my heart that was sincerely praying God, whatever you have for my life, I want it. Wherever I have to go, whatever I have to do, just not the ministry. <laughs> I had a business. I had people that worked for me. And there was coming a day just like that, it all changed. Nothing I could do would fix it. Nothing I, no resource I had, no ability, no no talent, no nothing I could do I remember my brother, who at that time still is not a believer, but my brother looked at me, and, and this had been going on for five months, and he looked me in the face, and he said, What has happened to you? You were the golden boy. Everything you touched turned to gold. And now, what's happened to you? And all my wisdom, I said, I don't know. after two months of that is when I found myself homeless and hungry to the bad figs God says there's coming a time I'm going to change everything delivered into trouble in all the kingdoms trouble everywhere everywhere you turn everywhere the bad fig turns it's going to be trouble God's already told us it's for their own good and I found out this with God you can either fall on the rock and be broken or you can let the rock fall on you and be crushed the choice is this broken or crushed amen there's no third we're kind of banged up a little broken, it's crushed. He mentions a sword, which will mean violence. The figs who would call themselves children of God, these bad figs, we'll talk about in a moment what the difference between them is. But the bad figs will not only be experiencing difficulty in every area of their life, they will be experiencing violence. And they will not understand why the person next to them in the pew at church is not struggling and not having trouble, but they're struggling and they're experiencing violence. Famine, which means a lack. know what it's like to be hungry i know what it's like to sit in mcdonald's and watch and see what somebody's going to throw away that maybe i could retrieve out of the can i know Yuck. Yeah. pestilence which means sickness truly says, consumed from the land that I gave them. Consumed from the land that I gave them. He told us in Revelation 3, he's going to separate the hot from the cold. Separation. I thought about this morning, even as I got up early to take a shower, took a shower, and I got into the shower, and I turned the hot water on all the way. And then when the hot water started coming out, I adjusted a little bit of cold water to it. How many else, that's how you do it? I added a little bit of cold water to the hot water to make it comfortable for me. And that's what we've done in the church we talk about the love of God, but we don't ever talk about the result of rejecting that love. We talk about the mercy of God and the goodness of God following us all the days of our life, but we don't talk about what happens if you die having rejected that goodness and mercy. And the days of your life are over. The reality is everybody in this planet will die one day. It's a sobering thought, but it's a reality every one of us. God is wanting the water out of the faucet to not be warm and comfortable. You ever been in the shower and somebody flushes the toilet somewhere? You know what a shock that is? We in the church the parallel I ought to be shocking to this world right now. We need to be different. We need to not be angry. We need to be loving. We don't need to be judgmental. We don't need to be throwing stones. We don't need to be cursing. we don't need to be flippant. we don't need to be fearful. We need to be different. truth of the matter is there's been times in my walk as a Christian I've been a bad fig. I know what it's like. A Bad fig is a half-hearted fig. You play at being a Christian. Christianity is something you do instead of someone you are. playing with sin, thinking that it won't burn me. I'll just keep it under control. Partitioning off my heart as if God can be in part of my heart but not expect to be able to open up every door and shine light into every closet. That I not only had to trust him with every sin in my heart, I needed to trust him with every ache in my heart. I didn't like it when he put his finger on things. My attitude was one like, listen, I just got it all together. Let's not even talk about that. Can anybody relate? Erica, listen for a moment. God would have me to tell you that not everything that's happened in your life was his will for you. But it is his will for you. Says everything that's happened in your life. And he understands your reluctance to open up to other people. He wants you to open up to him. We, we, can't, we can't hold things back, church. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's not a suggestion. When my dad said, come here, it meant, come here. There was no delay. You didn't say to my dad, what do you want? I just sat down. Check with me later. Now's not a good time. That's That's not how dad worked. Your heavenly father is telling you now, come unto me. Come unto me. All. That part of you that doesn't want to talk to him. That room that you close the door when guests come over. The closet that you slide the door so nobody looks in it. When you let him in, he walks straight to that room and straight to that closet. And you want to talk about, look how much I've cleaned up. And he says, what about this mess right here? Some of us are too busy being judgmental. We're trying to remove specks out of our brother's eye when we walk around with logs on our own eye. god says go and you don't go when god says call them and you don't call them when god says send them a text you don't give them a text when god says give and you don't give god says pray and you don't pray and then you turn around and sing a song about he's lord of your life i i i think i think we need to be careful what we sing There are times in my worship I've got to stop. I don't want to lie, tell a lie that's simply set to music. I look up at the screen and I see the words and I say, God, I'm sorry, that isn't true in my heart right now. It's called repentance. Father, if there be any unclean thing in me. When was the last time you asked that? What was the last time you prayed that? be any unclean thing you see if you are the judge of what's unclean in your life then you're God a real believer throws themselves open to God and say God what what about my life put your finger on and then there's good figs. he says my eyes will be on them For good. Listen, we're coming into a time of exceptional favor for good figs. You can expect exceptional favor from God as He seeks to separate out the cold from the hot, the players from the doers, the fakes from the genuine, the half hearted from the full hearted. He will separate those by their choice from his blessing, and he will bless those by their choice with his blessing. And you can expect favor, unprecedented favor from God. You can expect God to bless you financially. You can expect God to protect you. You can expect God to let you walk in health. You can expect God to provide for you, not according to the economy, but according to his riches and glory. You can expect God to bless you. You can wake up in the morning and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And you can set your heart on that. You can expect as a good fig the favor of God. It says, I will bring them back. God is raising up a group of believers. and He's going to bring them back to what we were always meant to be. What we were in the beginning, we will be in the end. What we were in the beginning, we are going to be in this day. There will be those people... And they won't look like you think they should look like. And they won't act like the way that you think they should act. But they will walk in an anointing that is like the anointing of old, where they would walk down the streets and people would get healed by their shadows. Where they could pray over a cloth and send it to somebody. And the cloth laid on the person when it gets there and then receive a healing. Where the dead are restored to life. He is going to bring back his people. He is going to mark us so that we're different. Years ago, we had a drinking fountain in our church. And it had been there since, you know, water was invented. And it sometimes worked and it sometimes did didn't work and i was at the church one day and it was hot and i was i I was cutting the grass and i i i i motivated myself to get done because i kept thinking when i get done i'm gonna go into that water fountain you know and it, it chilled the water real good and i made sure to dial it down so it's ice how many like the water like that oh yeah you don't like your water like that i'm not sure you're going to heaven I made myself finish cutting that grass, and I couldn't wait to get in the building. As I'm walking down the hall, I could just picture that ice-cold water streaming out. And I walked up to that water fountain I built, bent down. I thought, this is going to be good. And I flipped the little dial button, and it just barely dribbled out. I mean, I couldn't. They put those things on it to keep it from sucking on the nipple thing, you know? I tried. That's why they're there. I always wondered why they were there. That's why they're there. And I remember standing up mad, and I slapped the, the water fountain. I said, You're a liar. You look like a water fountain. You 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 look like you should refresh. You look like life-giving water should come out of you but when I come up to you and press a button nothing happens I got a lying water fountain we in the church have become that water fountain people come in here and they're thirsty for something life-giving it's hot out there it's difficult out there I want to tell you, those people that are willing to give life, if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. But you can't become a a lake and it, it reservoirs in you. We are not living bodies of water. We're living streams. We're living rivers of water. There has to be a flow. God, help us to become a church that when you walk inside of this building, you're not walking in hoping to get a blessing. You're hoping to be a blessing. You don't look around for your best friend or your your, your best brother or sister in the church. You're looking around for somebody who's hurting. Years ago, I was traveling. I was headed back home and all of a sudden, I developed problems with my heart. It began to beat erratically. And then, it, and then it not only continued to beat erratically, it started to beat very fast. I remember at one point driving and putting my hand up here, and it was beating so fast that I couldn't even keep count. And I thought, well, that's probably not good. So I saw one of those little blue signs that said, hospital this way. And so I got off the interstate, and I... I followed the blue signs, and I found myself at Grady Memorial Hospital in Delaware, Ohio. And I, I could barely walk in. I pulled up right there in the emergency lane, you know. I, I just got out of my vehicle. I could barely walk in. I told the lady what was going on, and she come out, and she did a quick pulse check. And she said, your heart is beating at 212 beats a minute. I'm telling you, God's honest truth. You need to fill out this paperwork. And I I look at it, it's like nine sheets of paperwork. I said, you know what, with all due respect right now, I feel like I'm about to faint. And she said, well, then take a chair. Go over there and take a seat in, in, in this clipboard. I said, didn't you just tell me my heartbeat was 212 beats a minute? She said, yes. I said, could we just lay off the paperwork for a moment? Could we start to deal with this? Irritated. She put me on a hospital bed. They pushed me towards the emergency area and stuck me along the side of the wall. I waited people would go by you know I'll pat you on the shoulder my heart feels like it's getting worse I think like 40 minutes has passed by I've not seen a doctor I've not seen a nurse I, I can't tell you for sure whether or not I passed out I remember finally grabbing somebody going by and said, Is there a phone I can borrow for a moment? And they brought me a cordless phone. Our doctor at that time attended our church. It's Kathy Dixon. I had her phone number. I, I dialed up. I said, Kathy, listen, it's pastor. I, listen, here's what's going on. I, I, I felt sick coming home. I, my heart rate's fast. I pulled her in the hospital. They told me it was 212 beats a minute. She goes, oh my gosh, Pastor. I said, but they stuck me on a bed after arguing with me about paperwork. They stuck me on a bed. I'm laying on a bed in a hallway. She goes, where are you at? I said, I'm at Grady Memorial Hospital in Delaware, Ohio. And she goes, "Okay, listen. I'm going to send an ambulance for you and get you out of Shady Grady as fast as I can. That's exactly what she said. You don't stand a chance in Shady Grady. It wasn't wasn't more than a few minutes later and paramedics came in the door with an empty gurney, transferred me over, headed me back to Marion, Ohio. I think the biggest insult was two weeks later I get a bill from Grady Memorial Hospital $7,000 for emergency room services and then the time and all of that God spoke to me about the church we can't become a shitty Grady need to care about the people that walk in the doors of this church they need to be our first priority I believe that the church if you use a hospital as an example I believe that we all come as patients we get healed and become doctors and nurses that are now on staff I remember laying in that hallway and I remember hearing the doctors and nurses joke and laugh and and, laughter and people goofing around, and I'm thinking, does my life not matter? And I see them walk in our building, church. Listen to me for a moment. I see them walk in our building, and they're hurting. And they got walls up. I get it. It's it's probably ugly. They're probably angry. It's probably not good things going on in their life. I know you only want people who got a twisted toenail. You can help with that, but heart surgery? Listen, they're, 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 they're ugly things are going on in their life, and they're hurting. But God the Father sent them here. And we need to show them that their life matters. Don't argue with them about where their life is at. Listen, if they didn't know it was an amazing... Im- they already know it's in a mess. That's why they're here. I didn't pull into the hospital like, you know, I just want to stop by check it out. You guys are cool in here. I went in there because something was going on that I couldn't fix myself. And you need to know that when they show up here, there's something going on in their life that they can't fix. And the worst thing we can do is ignore them. Before service, we need to be we need to be on the prowl looking for somebody who's hurting. Come on, church. You want to be a good fig? Give God a reason to bless you. You see, the great thing about God is he, he. if you understand how He works, you do ministry out of the overflow. And if you want your life to be overflowing with the goodness of God, give God somebody to reach through you. Because that then qualifies you to be filled overflowing with God. But if you're willing to come and sit in the building, if you're willing to come and occupy a seat, if you're willing to just be another butt in a pew somewhere, while hurt people come in and, and go out, and you don't want to engage them because you can feel the walls. How many know what I'm talking about? You can see the walls all over them. They don't want you to talk to them. The love of God needs to compel you and I to go push through that. God says, I will build them up and not pull them down. For the good figs, gone to be the days where you take two steps forward and one and a half steps back. You're going to take two steps forward and you're going to maintain that. And you're going to take another two steps forward and you're going to maintain that. He says, I will give them a heart and to know me greater intimacy with God than than you ever thought was possible but intimacy is a two way street and if you're a good fig you will release yourself into him you know we in the church stand and say God I want you to release yourself on me pour out and then we smidgen out god's looking for ugly truth bible says he's looking for truth in the inward parts of a man or a woman looking for truth some of us in the church need to quit lying to ourselves if you ain't leading somebody to god if you're not praying for the sick and see them recover if you're not seeing signs and wonders happening there's more for you come on church an intimacy with god a an intimacy with him you see i tell you what the thing about god is he shares secrets with friends servants don't know everything but friends know everything they shall be my people and i will be their god if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways then i will hear from heaven forgive their sins and heal their land for the good figs there's going to be supernatural manifestations where god just supernaturally makes something happen Even in the midst of a doubter who says it'll never change. Even in the midst of a doubter who says, I don't believe in God. We got to get out of this idea that miracles, that God gave miracles, if you line up with him and you do everything right and everything's perfect, and yet when we get into the New Testament, miracles were always for the unsaved. Most of the miracles were for people who didn't know him. Come on, church quit using the excuse well they just didn't believe i prayed and they didn't believe no you prayed and you didn't believe come on might as well call it like it is see you can't pick and choose god says walk over here you walk over here god says go over there you go over there god says call this guy you call that guy god says write that person a letter you send that person a letter God says, give that $20, you give that $20. Come on. He that is faithful over little will be made ruler over bigger things. When you give that little bit, you're obedient, you're obedient, you're obedient, and all of a sudden, you need something big. God's knows now he can trust you you've proven that you have faith it's easy to have faith for a thousand dollars if you had faith for five hundred it's easy to kill a giant if you've already killed a bear and a lion but if you haven't been faithful over ten you'll never see the ten thousand come on the difference is Stand to your feet if you would. Difference between the figs, the good figs and the bad figs. The good figs, it says in Scripture, return to him with their whole heart. I love you enough in this this moment to ask you this question: What part of your life are you keeping back from Him? He walks up to the well, and the woman shows up, and they have a discussion about worship and where to worship and how to worship. In the midst of that discussion. Looks her in the eye. He says, "Look at your husband." Nope. She says, I, I, I don't have a husband. So you said, "Oh, that's good." Why was that? Great? She said, I don't have a husband. Listen to me for a moment. Why was that good? Jesus laid it out. You've had five husbands. I know the the pictures of this scene show this beautiful 18, 19-year-old girl with a pitcher of water. I tell you that her life was anything but beautiful? Five times I had said, I love you. Five times. This is forever. Five times they kicked her to the curb. You don't think that leaves some wrinkles? You don't think that leaves some scars on the heart? Listen, she is so scarred she is so broken that she's not willing to prostitute herself with this man who doesn't love her enough to give her his name, but he'll give her a meal and he'll give her a bed. Somewhere in her heart... Well, listen, an ugly truth is always better than a pretty lie. I'm going to close with this. You can't get this wrong. Please listen. June 10th, just 18 days ago, a 20-year-old young man killed himself. Just a few months ago, he had downloaded the app called Robinhood. It's an investing app. And he put his information in and it allowed him to invest in the, in the futures market, which is a very dicey game at best, not to be fooled with by somebody who knows what, doesn't know what they're doing. And, and in his letter, he he blamed his suicide on the app. He said the Robin Hood app gave him the ability to borrow money to buy futures. And he opened the app on June the 9th and he looked at it and it said that he was $750,000 in the hole. And at 20 years old, he thought there was no way he's ever going to be able to get out of three quarters of a million dollars of debt. His life was ruined. He'll never recover from this. and he blamed it on the free loaning of money and he blamed it on the Robin Hood app and he killed himself and all the time he never knew that he actually was misreading what the app was saying he was up almost $2,000 in his account when he killed himself not $750,000 in the misread the situation entirely. The 20-year-old life is gone because he misread. Listen, I, I, I share that story that I, I want to, as your, as your pastor, as the one that you're listening to this moment, please don't misread this moment. Please don't misread this moment. In your heart of hearts, you know whether or not you are sold out sold out doesn't mean perfect your closet can still be messy it just needs to be open does that make sense it's okay it's okay to have a messy room in your house but he needs to be in that messy room right now with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment Listen, take this as a a, a warning call. Take this as a warning call. The separation of the figs has begun. Take this as a warning call. Your Heavenly Father loves you enough to send you this message. Take this as a warning call. Take this as a warning call. You know what's going on in your heart right now. So does he. You know what you just heard. So does he. Take this as a warning call. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Father, more than just a moment in an altar this morning from us, you want a life from us. You want us to come after you with our whole heart, God. Our whole heart. So, Father, we lay aside every fear, every doubt. We lay aside, God, we open the doors to those parts of our life that we've shut you out of. Father, we trust you with our hurt. We trust you with our hurt, Father. We trust you with our struggles. We repent of our our willingness to reject your counsel, God. Father, let us be a people that are like good figs. We can be eaten by somebody else, and it brings life to them. I don't want to be a fig. I don't want us to be a people that are bad figs that can't be eaten by anybody. And I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Now listen, somebody's standing near you. If you want to put your hand on their shoulder in just a moment to pray for them,